Welcome to our podcast, Fear Less, Do More. Here we're going to take a deep dive into the minds of some really daring, impactful change makers. I'm your host, Jill Hunter, and I'm the managing partner at Square One Law. In each episode, we're going to meet some innovators, some trailblazers, and we're going to talk about their successes, their fears, their challenges, and their lived experiences. We're going to understand their secrets to their resilience and their source of their passion so that we can understand what drives them to achieve. These are all leaders who inspire us to step out of our own comfort zones and fear less, do more. Hi, and welcome to this episode of our podcast, Fear Less, Do More. Today I'm joined by a really interesting woman, Nicola Jane Little, and she's probably best known as the owner and founder of a number of businesses, but one in particular that I associate with her, which is Celebrate Difference. Perfect. Welcome, Nicola. Hi. And thank you for joining us today Thanks to for talk about us. your journey. I'm so excited. <laughs> so am I. That's good. That's two of us. Um, as I said, you know, the, the business that I associate you with the most is Celebrate Differences. Mm-hmm. Does, does it do exactly what it says on the Celebrate Difference, and it's even drawn on my wrist. Oh, it's well, even tattooed. Like it. The only one I've got. It is there purely and only to celebrate all of our different brains. Those of us who are neurodivergent, ADHD, autism, dyslexia, dyspraxia, if you're not familiar with the term, um, and it is there to champion people who maybe have had difficulties but who are superhumans too. So yes, we live by the name of our business. Brilliant. And how much of your own sort of personal experience has shaped what you do? It's all through my lived experience. So I have, I think I'm up to business about number nine now. (laughs) So that's been for the last 15 years. And then unbeknownst to me, although having always known I was different, I didn't know why, I read this blog post, Facebook, and I was reading away thinking, well, if you take that lady's name out and put mine in, that that list of things that are wrong is me, Mm. those challenges. So obviously I went on to super ADHD mode, did all of the the reading and the looking and our, my husband came home and I was like, right, I've got ADHD, by the way, so I need to take <laughs> us to Liverpool. I need to be diagnosed now. I was 45, so I've lived a life of struggle mm. um, and brilliance and all the stuff that everybody has, but I didn't ever know what was going on for me um, and then took a while to then come to terms with the news and the information. Um, I was then diagnosed dyspraxic. Um, I'm very likely to be autistic, apparently. Everybody keeps telling us I am. And so off we went with, well, if I find out at 45, 46, there's a lot of other people who are like me who need a hand. So then we, I launched this social enterprise and that was 18 months ago, I think, coming up two years. And here we are. And here we are with uh, 12 members of staff nearly in a year. And then, are all of them new- neurodivergent? Well, if they're not, they're pretending. No, um, <laughs> yes. So either not all of us are diagnosed, but self, self, um, self-aware, self-diagnosed, mm. if you like, um, apart from one or two, maybe, yes. And those who aren't or don't recognise that in themselves, their kids are. Yeah. So we are a family, a workplace of neurodivergent adults rubbing along with all of our challenges and wonderfulness. I think that's really important though, isn't it? That you've got that, that's really authentic. And it's, um, it's having that lived experience means yeah. that you can relate to the people that, yeah. that you deal with in it's just a completely different way. And I think, you know, my, my son has um, has ADHD 
and dyspraxia and is autistic. Um, and, uh, it's the best collection of letters ever, you know. <laughs> yeah. You've got like all the letters. Um, you know, you go through a process and it's a very medically based process. It's terrific. And it's not, it hasn't got that human mm-hmm. sort of element to you. And then you're given the diagnosis and off you go. Off you go. And I remember saying after his autism diagnosis, so what does sport, sport do we get now? And they went, here's some leaflets. And that was it. Perfect. So, you know, when I hear about what you're doing, that to me is just, just brilliant. It's that place where you can go and not only get information and support, but talk to people who've yeah. been there and done yeah. that. So what sort of stuff do you do to, to achieve that? Well, firstly, being given a leaflet when you've been given a life changer, and I want to stress this, there's a lot of press at the minute about ADHD and why is there so many people being diagnosed mm. and all the rest of it. So if we put our common sense heads on, those of us who live to routine, loads of us, those of us who need to control our environments and our communication, those of us who struggle in the way that I do, mm-hmm. you know, you get through COVID where everything is stripped away from you and everything that you know, know has been dictated and taken away. For some of us, it was a blessing almost because you didn't have to go out the house, you didn't have to meet people and all of this, right? So, you you know, for the rest of us, we really struggled. And through that struggle is all of this now complete chatter and talk about ADHD. Um, and you, you, you're there in these moments where you're like, where do I go next? So I went online. I went to find other people like me. I put myself in those communities and realized how much struggle there was for everybody, right? And so, you know, I got my own support um, which is an it's called access to work through the government. So I am now fully supported so I can thrive at work. Mm. And then thought, well, I'm working with a couple of hundred self-employed people. There's got to be some of that community would deserve and need the kind of support that I now get. And so off I cracked and that's it. So we will do anything from monthly training, support, one-to-one conversations, Facebook groups exploding everywhere access to work applications and taking people through that process, finding coaches, finding any kind of support that we can through our lived experience, you know, talk about and give um, and have turned that into a social enterprise. And like you say, there's been loads of press around, particularly around ADHD about, you know, it's been overdiagnosed and this person was sent to three different doctors and two of them said they had ADHD yeah, yeah, yeah. and one said they didn't, so therefore the other two must be wrong. It's, you know, there's a lot of noise around it and I can see the harm that that causes yes. where people start to discount that and say, well, it's not a real thing. It doesn't, it doesn't really exist. It's just, you know, you have it with children, they're just yes. naughty or yes. they're just badly Always. behaved. What, what do you say to those people who, who cast doubt on something that's a very real part of your life? and your um, being oh, gosh it's so difficult okay so the first thing I would say and I'm a little bit different from most on this because I didn't know till I was 45 mm. so why would I expect anybody out there to know mm. right if I didn't know myself I knew I was different but if I didn't know what that name for that difference was how could I honestly expect others right so you know I have this thought of all the GPs in the world who are asked to know everything about everything how can they know everything it's just it's just not It is just not able to do that. Nobody is. Um, However, what I would invite people to do is talk about that because you don't know how it's like for me. You don't know like what it's like inside my head to have a billion thoughts at once, none of which go on a track, none of which I can finish. You don't know what it's like to not be able to get out of the house in the morning 
because six times you've forgotten your keys and you have to go back and go back and go back and go back and then you're getting annoyed and then you're frustrated with yourself. People don't know what that's like, but neither do I know what it's like to be able to have one thought at once, start a job and finish a job. So this patience we must have and this empathy we must have with each other is where I come from, you know, and everybody keeps saying things like, oh, everybody's a bit on the spectrum. Everybody's a little bit ADHD. It's so um, demeaning when your life and everything you try and do is controlled by something that makes us different. But 20% of the population are neurodivergent. You know, whether it is um, your dyslexia or your ADHD or your autism, there's 20% of us have significant challenges. Mm. But those 20% have significant gifts. And what is overlooked is the significance of the gifts we bring to the world, to work, to school, to the environment. There's no way we would have done what we've done in our community and our businesses without ADHD. It is because of who we are that we are doing what we do. So I would always just start from a place of patience, you know, and then try and explain. And then if people don't listen, that's on them. What I'm trying to do is find people who will listen and who will consider and who will be advocates for us. Mm. And whilst you might not be able to understand what it's like for us, don't judge us. Because the judgment piece is just yuck. Ugh. It's really difficult. And I think that part of that is, does come out of the, the, the focus, you know, particularly in business when we're trying to create an inclusive um, workplace. Mm. But all of the literature you get, the, 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 the narratives you hear are all about all the bad things, all oh, the things you've got to cope nice. with, all the things you've got to deal with. And you just said there, you know, this, you wouldn't have got where you've got now without mm-hmm. being neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the sort of real positive benefits oh, that neurodivergent how long people bring? You know, like the... <laughs> the ideas and the empathy you know people talk about autistic humans as not having any empathy it's complete rubbish we have so much empathy it actually hurts us inside but the empathy the ideas generation the passion that we bring the energy of a brain that doesn't stop it is just extraordinary and when I look at my team and how different we all are even within that community that we are the the stuff we can achieve, I, I, I can do stuff in a day that people would take a week over. And I know that. I know that. I can also then have to go to bed for three days because I've worked that hard. So this balance of um, respect that we need for one in a, another in a workplace is absolutely extraordinary. But the medical model that you, you talked about, you know, that is about a list of deficits. In our support for people, when you're going for an access to work award, you're talking about the list of deficits. So you have to write down what you're absolutely rubbish at and why you can't do this or this or this. And our job is then to turn that around and and really flip and look for the strengths that everybody has. What are you good at? What reasonable adjustment in your workplace could you need to make you thrive? Because it's often very, very tiny, tiny things. Um, And that respect for those of us who think differently but if we look at all the big different thinkers, uh, you know, Silicon Valley is predominantly a, a community of people who are neurodivergent. All of the big different people out there with the very successful businesses, as if, if you measure success only in money and turnover and that kind of stuff, you know, they're all neurodivergent. We need people who think differently. Can you imagine if everybody was the same? I mean, dear me, how? <laughs> we need difference. Like, oh, I mean, a whole room of people like me is a challenge, but then 
a whole room of people who don't have those ideas and that spark and that energy to get the stuff started. But where do what, what do we do then? And I think you, you know, know, being in a profession like mine, where law is attracts people who are not those sort of creative thinkers. They tend to be very, um, you know, tend to be very process driven and very detail oriented. Yeah. And, yeah. and that the, the, for me, the beauty of finding people who are neurodivergent and who are creative and who have those sparks yeah. of initiative is that that's quite rare in yeah. my profession. So if I can find that, that's brilliant. Yeah. Get that into the business. Get because that's Absolutely. what we that's what we lack. But if people think business people are scared. Yes. They're scared of doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong yeah. thing. Yeah. Think that they're going to have yep. to spend a load of yep. money to yep. make adjustments. What would you say to a business who thinks, well, actually, I could do with some of that creativity and spark, but I really don't know where to start here? Well, how about we just start looking at the human being, the stuff, the stuff that okay. So, are we challenged? The idea of processes challenges me. So, you're mm. talking about people who can start a process and work through mm. it. I mean, I've got no detail like that at all. I, I, I cannot book myself into a diary management thing for my life. You know, but I would then look for those people who can do that because if I can't do it, the business needs it done. Mm. Someone else has got to do it, right? So if we've got all the same type of humans in that business, what we need is some difference, right? Because where do the ideas get generated from if everybody, if nobody's got that skill? So yes, okay, it, it might be scary. People who can do proper admin from start to finish terrify me. That doesn't mean to say the business doesn't need it. Yeah. So this is just this common sense piece, isn't it? You know, anybody who does any team building or mm. I don't know, strengths testing, what you're looking for is people who complement each other mm. and not being scared of that. And I, I don't know, I, I am a bit different because I've always, I've always known what I'm rubbish at and never been scared of that. And happy to hand over that admin to somebody else mm. who's better than me because I can't do it. I, I can't. Without support, I can't do it. But... Who cares? I can buy buildings and create businesses and do other <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's quite. We talk a lot about fearlessness, and this is what mm -hmm. you know this this podcast is around. And 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 um, you know, my experience with living with with somebody who who is diagnosed with ADHD is that fearlessness in the concept of of his life is very different to what it is in mine. Yes. So yeah ranging from having no fear whatsoever yeah, in yeah, circumstances yeah. where people might yeah. be fearful right the way through to being very fearful in yeah. circumstances where I'm very very comfortable yes. what 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 how would you say fearlessness fits into the the world of neurodivergence I think for me and I can obviously only talk about me what I know is I'd be more scared of trying to get my diary right than standing on a stage in front of 500 people yeah that wouldn't scare me at all that would light me up Doing a diary, oh my goodness, no way. I, I think I take more risks than most potentially would do mm -hmm. because I can see over there really clearly, but maybe I can't see tomorrow. So this idea of fear in business, it, we, it's always going to be there. Have we got enough money in the bank to pay our staff at the end of the month? Mm. Did, did we lose that contract, gain that contract? All of this stuff. But it, it drives me. So fear tends to drive me forward. Yeah. A lot of us are paralyzed by fear. Some of us can't get on the house in the morning. Some of us are afraid of change acutely. So even going in the bath is an issue. And you've got to talk to yourself, me, for three hours to try and go in the bath because there's so much stuff going on with that where people who are not neurodivergent wouldn't realize. So Fear is for all of us, all humans, but how we then dip into that and manage that perhaps may be different for those of us who are, 
who are neurodivergent. It's really interesting, isn't it? I always remember a really awful moment when um, my child, before they were diagnosed and before I'd recognised, really, mm. I mean, I always knew there was something different, but before I'd recognised, we used to go to the hairdressers and that was an absolute nightmare, going to the hairdressers. Well. You know, and they used to say, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And I used to say, don't be daft, your hair's dead, it can't hurt. I now understand yeah, yeah. that from a sensory point of view, that yep. sensation feels yep. like pain. Yep. Um, and so the fear was around, you know, going to the hairdressers. Yep. It, I thought it was just because he didn't like the environment, didn't like the woman, you know, but it was the actual sure. uh -huh. thing that was happening. And yep. I think it's, unless you've had that experience, it's very difficult to understand that world. And how do we... How do we get to a point where everybody, where we can have those conversations where people can... Doing this. Yeah. Doing this, isn't it? Mm. This is a conversation about this. You know, where we focus on is people at work and, and people trying to help people thrive, mm -hmm. whether they're self-employed or employed. Having that, that narrative that is human first, always, but the more we talk about it, the more it gets out there and the more people will come forward and, and come into that conversation. You know, when I... I did some research into the work that I'd done a couple of years ago and I used to run a boot camp. I used to run about six of them. And so there was about eight or nine, seven people in each thing and we all came together every single month. And over over those years, there were 60 people and 40% of them are now diagnosed. But none of us knew at all that we were different in that way when we started working together. 40% of them are now diagnosed. Mm. So there's, there's this thing that we come together, like it does at the track like, um, and there is this conversation that I started because someone else started and I read hers, they read mine, and 40% of those people are now diagnosed and they, their ripple effect has gone through. And so they, they talk about it and then other people recognise those things for themselves. Mm. That's what we need. And I mean, not all of us, because it's a very private journey mm. to stand there and share but if some of us do it, someone else will do it. And it passes to the next person and the next person and the next person. It has to be through, you know, communication and conversation. But like you said, people, people make such massive assumptions about people with autism, for example, that they've got no social skills. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that they hear all the time where they've got no social skills. And um, all AD, kids with ADHD are naughty. All of that. There's real sort of stereotypes out there. So I think the more you can showcase yep. that, there is a spectrum within each of these things and there are everybody's different in the same way as, as neurotypical people are all different. I mean, we're just all different, yeah, right? So one different. day, perhaps the language will change. Mm. People are people, humans are humans, mm. right? And we all live and breathe and die. And that's the cracking. What we do in between that point and that point, the language is really challenging for a lot of us in, in this community where we are labelled or that medical model or you can't do this or there is that assumption and then and then there's all the infighting within the community itself about, you know, have I got autism? I am I autistic? And if you ask people, they'll say, I'm autistic. I don't have autism. You kind of just put it down and yeah. get rid of it. It's not a disease. I'm autistic, right? So the language that people use is is really, really important. And the discussions we all have to have are about that language. Mm. But it's about respect, isn't it? It's about respect. You know, we have a lot of communication now about pronouns and respecting what pronouns somebody would choose to use, you know, depending on the colour of our skin, how we how we talk about that. And, mm. and it is a frightening place to be, 
But if we don't learn, you know, if we don't learn and talk about it, then we're just likely to just upset everybody throughout our lives. And yes, that's a challenge. And I think for me, I'm always comfortable with people who don't know anything about this, who will have a conversation about it. But once you know, what you do next is what's important to me. Because if then you choose to disregard what someone said to you, then that's just not pleasant, mm. right? So once you know something, act on it or try your best. You know, I will ask questions all of the time rather than get it wrong. I'd rather just say, how do you want to be communicated with? You know, what do you want to talk about? How do you want me to do this rather than get it wrong? And everybody would appreciate that, you know. Yeah. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. It comes back to that thing. It's just general principle of treat people people kindly, Aye, with be nice. respect. Well, yeah. Literally, be nice. Yeah, just be nice to people and and perhaps think about their point of view as well as your own. Mm. We get stuck, don't we? We get stuck in our world and how we see stuff. And for some of us who are quite rigid in how we see stuff, it's a challenge. But at least try, yeah, to listen and bring on board other other points of view. So you've got this fantastic facility up in concert, mm-hmm. the hub. The hub. It was what an old pub. It was oh, an old it? hotel pub. Right. It was built in 1847 and it had the first run of water in concert in 1847. So it stood empty for a couple of years and for the last however long I've always wanted my own space because if I can bring people into my space, make them feel comfortable, they'll learn, they'll be themselves, it's a safe space. So I've been wittering on through all of my business journey about sparkle <laughs> towers and minty towers and all the towers. <laughs> and then an opportunity came along. And so we um, bought this very rundown, very old building and have spent every weekend ever since pulling it a bit, painting the walls, fixing the leaks, changing the tables, doing all the stuff. And, and it's lush. And people come in and comment on the vibe and how you, you feel it. And and every person who comes in with any training or networking or whatever we do, they will say it feels safe. Mm. And that's that's an extraordinary compliment for me where people can come and go, oh, I can be myself in here. I don't have to be unsure. Or, you know, we have blankets, we have water bottles, we have rocking chairs, we have quiet areas, we have stuff that you know, slowly we're developing this space so anybody who comes in with anything going on can either just have a cup of tea or can go to that raccoon chair there and have that blanket on them because that's okay. Because mm-hmm. that's okay. I mean, if you see us as a team of staff, about three o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> the blankets are out, we're on the rocking chairs, we're like stomping about. Three o'clock's a bad time for us on the afternoon, honestly. <laughs> And our own sensory issues. So mm. we, I guess we've created a space around what we need mm-hmm. first. And then our community and the wider community needs that as well. Mm. But you were, but you will accept anybody who comes through and says, well, actually, that's not what I need. I, I, yeah. This is what I need. And yeah. you can accommodate that, yeah. which is which is brilliant. What's your ambition for the, for the, for the business? And Gosh, business? that's a big question. Okay, so... At the minute, what we do is provide monthly, weekly, daily support for the self-employed community who aren't neurodivergent as well. Um, We're doing a lot of work with Durham University about entrepreneurship and um, self-worth, which has been fascinating, really fascinating project. Thank you, Pablo and the team for getting me involved in that. So we've we've got this piece where in entrepreneurship, where we all have those bad days or our expectations aren't met, we don't know how to move forward. We, we develop in a programme which is pretty much closely linked to what we've all already always done to absolutely meet that need. So that's in my business club. 
but that links very closely with the expansion of Celebrate Difference. Um, and my dream, my absolute dream, is to have diagnosis on site. So I've concerned. Um, converted one of the rooms um, mm. so hopefully we'll get all the registration necessary and then these appalling waiting lists maybe we can just chip in a bit so come the autumn we will probably be up and running to do first line support on that and then next year have a clinical offering so you can come to us you can get your diagnosis should you wish we can then put the support straight into place mm in work and in home life for you, help you get coaches, help you just have that whole rounded experience. And then you can buy some beautiful products from the neurodivergent business owners and all the self-employed people we've got on the shelves too. So, you know, for me, it's really important if people want to know who they are and their journey to that is through diagnosis, mm -hmm. that we would be able to offer that. And then there's all the schools to work with and all the doctor surgeries and there's all the kids we need to start stuff for and all the family stuff we want to do. I mean, it just doesn't stop. We just want to help people. The more we can, the, the better. What's your view on self-diagnosis? I mean, I was self-diagnosed self from the age of 10 with, I am different. People call me things. People have called me bossy or this or that or the other. And... I have always known that there was something different about me, right? I didn't have a name for it. I didn't have a, I, I didn't know what that was, but I have to say I'm more inclined to enjoy knowing what it is than what I thought or was told it was. Mm. So if, if people genuinely see the things that we all struggle with as them, I'm not going to discount that ever, 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 ever. I think for me, I had, I had the rubber stamp on that. I had to know it, it wasn't what I'd made up in my head. Yeah, yeah, and quite often we're all, all the best. You know, the number of people that you hear on, a, you know, on a on a, a medical front who say I just knew something was wrong, mm -hmm. and I went mm -hmm. to the doctors and it, and mm -hmm. I had to push and to, and then eventually they went, oh yes, and it's yeah. no, it's no different, it's no when different well, uh -huh. to that. Um, and I think also when the waiting lists are so long, yeah. like they are at the moment, I think for adult services now it's between two and four years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard seven. Yeah, in some cases. Can I, I mean, to, to anybody listening, right, why would we make this stuff up? No. Why, why, why on earth would you want to wake up one day and go, I've got ADHD, and I think that's a good thing? Why would anybody want to do that? Because what you're talking about is a list of real challenges in your life. You know, people generally aren't going to just give themselves a label or say that they, you know, resonate with something just because it's trendy. Mm. Nah. No. Nah. I, I agree. Well, I mean, maybe there are one or two in the world, but... Yeah, there's always going to yeah. be somebody who views things in a very, very different way and thinks that that's a But that could be anything do, for anything, couldn't it? Yeah, you know, you absolutely. Could, but you can't make this stuff up. And you should, yeah. And, and my view is, you, you know, you don't punish the people who have genuine mm. challenges to deal mm. with just because one or two people might try to take advantage of whatever yeah. advantage they think there is to... I'm, I'm not sure. There. I mean, apart from being super brilliant, I'm not sure... <laughs> But there are a lot of things that I've been through because of how my brain works that mm. is an advantage for anything. Mm. You know, the, the struggles are real. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the really beautiful and impactful things that you did recently was you had your umbrella. Wow. Oh, my God. So ADHD Foundation, big shout out to Tony and the team. 
Um, Dr. Tony Lloyd is the, just the biggest inspiration. So they are the biggest charity in Europe for neurodivergence, but specifically ADHD, right? It's where I got my diagnosis in COVID in Liverpool with nobody around. It was terrifying. Um, all of it was terrifying. And um, so anyway, so every year they do the umbrella project, which is you buy 25 umbrellas. Thank you for chipping in and sponsoring one. It's <laughs> awesome to have your support. You buy 25 different colour umbrellas and they go up somewhere. So you might have seen them in towns where mm. between shops that they're, they're strung up or whatever. So we were like, we've got to do this. We've got to get these 25 umbrellas up somewhere. And we put them inside the hub. And it is just amazing the conversation that has started. But it just looks really beautiful because you've mm. got like loads of coloured brollies all over your ceiling. And and for us to support that um, has just been an absolute gift. Also, we've had a number of people coming to us since I've seen it and they want to do something with us now. Mm. So now I'm looking to see if I can air fit any more umbrellas in <laughs> our building. I don't know if I've got enough ceiling space, but how we can work with other businesses in concert and mm -hmm. around and try and get mini installations all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's supposed to be a once a year thing, but you know, neurodivergence is year long, day in, day out, 24 <laughs> seven. So I want my brollies up all year round. It's just, it has been such a great thing to be part of. Um, and people will come and go, hey, look. And then you've just got a chance to talk about difference. Mm. And your other businesses, are you still running those? Or well, I'm trying. Not, not, not all eight of them. Well, <laughs> no, no. We've got, I've got three currently. Yeah. Um, so there's Mint Business Club. So yes, I, I am looking to actually get more support on that one. So that'd be a difference, obviously, with the team and the hub as the the mm. building and it's a separate limited company in its own right as well. So I bounce between all three, a bit haphazardly, maybe a bit of chaos, but <laughs> yes, I, I try and give each and every one of them my equal attention, which is difficult, it, it really is. Um, so, but the, the team and the structure we've got, we all chip in in all circumstances, so it's pretty cool. Sounds like you've got a really, you know, a brilliant, a brilliant team ethic and a really good yeah. culture there. Yeah, um, we what, try. What would you like your sort of legacy to be? I mean, there's a question. I'm not suggesting that you're about to shuffle off. Shuffle off on <laughs> anywhere. Do you know what, but, right? You know. I've, got, I've got a postcard printed up that says, um, you know, make a difference, ironically. And it was, um, if I can affect one person in one day, that'll do and go to bed happy. You know, because I, I talk to lots of people, we do mm. lots of things, but for some, if it's one person that has made a true difference, then that's what my thing is. And and on we go. I have a KPI, which is a goosebumps KPI. So key performance indicators in your business, how much money you're bringing in, how was your marketing done, how is this, what's your revenue? What, blah, blah. And mine is, do I sit in front of someone and have goosebumps? Do you make me goosebumpy and excited? That's because brilliant. that for me is like my life. And mm. then I can go off and do my thing and dump about <laughs> and try and create and create and create and create. But it's a real thing for me to trust my skin mm. when my skin is telling me that this is a really good, cool thing to do. Um, can I just help a few more people? Thanks very much before I pop off. Yes, that's <laughs> what I'd quite like to do. And outside of, of work, what... Uh, there is no outside of work. There is no outside There is holidays and there's work. So holidays, holidays. What what oh. what sort of holiday? Oh. Do, can you can you do you ever go and go? Oh, I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> no, 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 no. Holidays are the best place to um, 
wind the brain down from the actual minutiae of the day to day mm. and let your brain go boom, 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 and think and let all those things that have been bubbling away in the background come to the fore. There's always notepads on holiday. I've been known to do a business plan in a swimming pool. <laughs> and just like, because there's all those ideas in it to get them down. So if you take the rest of the other distraction away, it lets the, the other stuff come out. I like the warm weather. I like being warm because the, the sensory piece of that. Um, but it doesn't switch off ever. It doesn't. We've talked about sort of fearlessness and what that means. Mm -hmm. And the podcast is fearless, do more. Mm -hmm. So what would you like to do more of in the future? <laughs> I mean, I'd love to get another building. If the model in concert where you have a community, a proper community hub with products of loads of self-employed people, with the community coming in and using it, more knitters and natterers, please, <laughs> with on-site diagnosis, why would I just want one of them? I mean, why? And it's really hard to pull off and whether I could ever do it again and I'd need proper support and all the rest of it. But, but it works when you can make people feel safe and included and they can be better in their lives and then impact other people's lives. I mean, to do that again, oh, it would be a gift. However, the downside is I live five minutes drive away. So anything that goes wrong, like a leaky roof, mm. I'm five minutes away. To think of how I could physically do that and it'd be spread all over the place. Obviously, I couldn't do it the same as, as this. So anyway, so if you know anybody that's got some poorly down buildings <laughs> and needs some investment and wants some ideas. I'll be, I, you know, I've got, you know, listening to you, I have no doubt that you will achieve that. Um, you know, I think I don't think you'll be able to stop yourself would be no. my my view on that one. And I think, you know, the next challenge is obviously how you, how you scale what you've done brilliantly yes. so far. And, and that, that's terrifying. And you, you, with the amount of team that you've got and your three sites and all the rest of it, I look at you as an inspiration for that. Wow. How do you do... How do you have that many people spread over three cities and all of this kind of stuff? But it can be done and, and you're already doing that, you know, so I could look to you and be ringing you going, help me, help me. Yeah, probably. Um, but it's it's oh, it's the opportunity to just help more people, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Whether it's what you do or what I do, if we are service providers, we provide a service. And it's also the people that you're employing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's creating mm -hmm. opportunities for, for people mm -hmm. in local communities. Yep. Um, who might not might might have been disregarded? Yes. So and our Laura, hi Laura, um, always talks about the fact that she's had four more than fifty jobs. Wow, because she couldn't sell anywhere, mm. and it was never quite right, and she didn't feel right, and it wasn't right, or she wasn't right, or there was just something not mm. right, and so she's bounced about and bounced about, and we've worked together now for coming up two years, and she's not going anywhere, mm. and everybody deserves to find their spot and really thrive in their spot. I mean, 50 is quite excessive. Laura, well done. She, we have, um, she always goes up to people and go, how many jobs have you had? Like, she still wins, like, over 50. But she's extraordinary, yeah. right? She's extraordinary. But it, the situations have just never been quite right. Mm -hmm. So we keep trying, don't we? We keep trying to find our spot that we can make our own difference um, and celebrate it. Mm. And she's found a tribe. Absolutely. Which is brilliant. That's an brilliant note to end on so thanks ever so oh, much I'm humbled. it's been great thank you thank you thank great you for inviting me you. you're very welcome thank you for listening to fear less do more all of our guests come from a diverse range of backgrounds but they all share a common drive to face their fears take action and create meaningful impact if you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast 
Please follow us, Square One Law, on Instagram and LinkedIn and share the content with your friends, family and networks. Thank you and see you again on our next episode.